So my guest today is Alex Berman. Alex is the co-founder of Experiment 27, a company building lead pipelines, helping businesses book meetings with billion dollar brands. But Alex is also an investor, a producer, an educator, teaching entrepreneurship and lead generation, a traveler, a Shopify app owner, and he was also an early reader of the Lean B2B book way back. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So maybe first question. So uh, let's start at the top, maybe. So six, seven years ago, you were your co-founder at the idea of starting Experiment 27. So what was the original idea and like, and why did you guys think it made sense? Sure. Um, well, okay. So the book Lean B2B, I used to recommend that to everybody at the agency I was at back in New York because I love the ideas. And I was, I went through a very similar process with, so our original idea was not lead generation the first thing that i wanted to do or agency owners and so the first thing i thought was like okay let's try to outsource sales so i sent some cold emails as like the outsource salesman went through some of that then i pivoted to content to see if that would work and then we went from content and blog posts where people were paying for that to more cold email and lead gen and then that seemed like it hit we talked to a couple of clients. They really loved the billion dollar brands aspect versus just like the leads for everybody. So then we doubled down on those. And now, yeah, now we just focus on booking meetings with five to $150 million in revenue companies and okay. helping these companies get larger deals. Um, so it definitely came about in a very lean manner. I don't, I don't even know if you could come up with this business if you just tried to, at least I couldn't just come up with it if I was just trying to think about it. It is something that really happened organically. Okay. But so- how did you guys figure out that that specific niche or market uh, was the right one? Like how broadly were you defining that, that target initially? So initially it was as broad as I want to start a business. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was a, I was the director of marketing at this digital agency. So I wanted to do something with marketing. Um, and it just, it kind of honed in from there. Um, originally the, the reason why we knew we wanted to double and triple down on this niche was we were on a couple calls with agency owners uh, when we were selling lead gen for any sort of B2B business. And the agency owners would buy without asking too many questions in like 15, 20 minutes versus some of these other ones, like we were trying to sell the manufacturers and they're hard to get a hold of. They were hard to close at these massive deals. So we were basically finding that some of the, some of the markets we're selling to really wanted to buy and wanted to pay a lot. And then the other markets we had to really try for. So I, I, what I was trying to find was I wanted a business that sold itself. I wanted something where I didn't have to try so hard on the sales calls. Cause I knew the harder it was for me to sell, the harder it would have been for me to outsource it to salespeople, but the okay. easier it is, the easier it is to add a team and grow from there. Okay. So the, the main, main driver, the main thing you were looking at was uh, the ease of actually getting them to convert, to sell, to buy. Yeah. Cause if you can make money, you basically control the whole process. Um, Okay. Businesses, I mean, it's all, it all comes down to who can make money and then who can fulfill the, the contracts there. So, yeah, I, I wanted something that sold itself that I could easily find somebody else to do both on the fulfillment side and the sales side. And, then, you know, okay. I could escape the business and be free. That was the entire thing. <laughs> so so what, when you guys locked in on that, like how broadly were you defining it? Like, was it agencies or you were like agencies, like specific profiles or? It was, a, it was, uh, we were the outsourced CMO. So outsourced marketing partner for digital agencies. Okay. Uh, so basically anyone who did software or marketing, that was okay. about how we defined it. Mostly almost hundred percent of them were in the U S to start. Okay. 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 
and do, did you feel like that was that was too broad or broad enough or like uh looking back it was perfect for what it yeah. was at the time um okay. about I think within our 30 or 45 days, first 30, 45 days, we ended up booking about 400,000 in uh, yearly revenue, okay. which was great for initial traction. It was amazing. But what we found out was the market we we're targeting only had about 3,300 people in it, 3,300 okay. companies. So with our cold emailing strategy, I mean, we we're going out there emailing all these guys. We touched everybody in the market within two months. Okay. And so the rest of the, the rest of the time, uh, it, it was something that sold itself. Then it became something that was harder uh, over time. Yeah. So we had to find new markets at that point. And that's when we decided to branch out into some other stuff. And how, how did you guys approach that decision? Like you were, you were, so you were kind of running out of leads and that, like, how did you start widening in it? So we made a list of other B2B industries, just basically pie in the sky brainstorming, like who would buy this? Uh, commercial cleaning companies, manufacturing companies, like big law firms, you know, whatever. We made a big list. And then instead of going through and, and tactically like figuring out this list and going, you know, committing back that way, we went through each one and cold emailed each one. I think we sent a hundred emails to each niche. Okay. So we just kind of saw which niches popped up and we were able to find some pretty good ones from there. Okay. So you define a long list, like how many, how many leads, how many different uh, uh, niche did you look into? I think we just found, we just found 15. We didn't go too crazy. Uh, okay. But the, but what I like to do is um, I'll look up like the most popular industries. Uh, so for instance, the site that I really like right now, um, I, th I think it's Open Secrets. But basically on OpenSecrets.org, okay. there's this long list of companies that lobby the government. But the companies are all organized by industry. Okay. So okay. the way that I'm looking at it is these are major, major industries in the United States. So which one of these industries or which of these industries are B2B? Because we don't want to do anything in B2C lead gen. So okay. then from that, we were able to, to really hone that list down. And then, yeah, basically one, two, three, four, just going through it uh, with okay. cold emails to see who actually bought. But in that case, like, were you tailoring your pitch to these specific industries or you were kind of going like, this is the blank, like this, the standard template that we use, target these and see what happens. So every cold email is tailored for the industry. So basically the way okay. that we still, we still write cold emails like this, it's yeah. customized first line with some kind of compliment. Then the second line calls out some case studies. So like, hey, we recently finished doing, you know, this project for whatever this company and got this result. Would love to do the same for you. Let me know if that works. Happy to send over a few times for a quick call. Okay. So how are you judging what are the, uh, how'd you figure out like which one of the 15 was the most compelling and like based on the data you were getting? We ended up picking a couple, but I look at a couple things. I look at how okay. easy is it or how often do they open emails? So what I found is people in the manufacturing niche do not open emails. You can have the greatest subject okay. line in the world and you might cap out 20, 30%. Okay. But some niches like startups or even e-commerce stores will open emails 90% of the time. Okay. So it's like, do you really want to, do you want to sell to somebody who barely opens your email or, or do you want to sell to somebody that's really opening it? And then there's like reply rates on that. And then when they do reply, how enthusiastic are they? Like how in need of our help are they? Okay. Um, and then from there, once they're on the phone, how easy are they to actually close? So it's so a multi-step process. And, yeah, and so a you're couple assisting of all of it. burned out. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's very, okay. it's very much a scientific approach. Very boring, like step-by-step-by-step by step by step approach. <laughs> no, but that's great. Like, so, so you're able to, to explore multiple niche and figure out which one is most, most compelling. And then the end, I guess the end data that tells you like this one, like you, you said you picked a couple, like 
like the the reason why these two specifically were picked was because of the the ability for them to sell themselves to That's sell it. themselves like okay. at the very end i want something where we send the cold email we get on the call and basically we barely have to talk they know they need us okay. they have a very burning issue and okay. they have the money to afford us. So if all of that aligns, then we're good to go. And what's cool about cold email is you can really hone in on that target. It's not like paid ads where you have to go like searching for that. Yeah. You can really just hone in exactly on what you're looking for and then do it over and over again until you cap out the market like we did with agencies. So <laughs> how did you know that the pitch you were using was going to perform or give you at least a baseline performance that you can rely on? So we have that standard template that we always run with. I know if I'm complimenting you, saying that I've won with somebody else as close to you as possible, and then asking for a meeting. I mean, th there's not really, it, it, it's like eating McDonald's, dude. There's not like, it's, it's not like going to a fancy restaurant here. Like this is sugar and fat and salt, dude. We're going directly for the value line right there. <laughs> okay, okay. They either want it or not at that point. So you, you use a, a value proposition that you know works and you're focusing on like the core of it and just making sure that they get in front of it pretty much. Okay, okay, okay. So is that kind of yeah, the process? My main hypothesis and one thing that's that's working for us is all businesses need leads. All businesses need customers in marketing, at least the people we talk to. So it's just trying to figure out how to frame that and find the ones that need it the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I find it super interesting that you've been using your core expertise. If, if I may say like lead generation, uh, go to market, cold emailing to build related products like email 10K, but also to grow other types of businesses. Uh, so if, if we look at it more broadly, like how would you go about validating a new product? So say you are an entrepreneur and you've built a project management software tool in a market that's super crowded. Like how would you go about validating the, the product, the market, finding the right, right opportunity for your, your, your product, uh, maybe through cold emails? Sure. So we actually have a similar project management. I think it's a very flooded market, first yeah. of all. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have a similar opportunity coming up this year. So it, it is something I've actually thought through. You mean in um, product management? It literally in a project management software. <laughs> this one I think is focused on uh, Scrum, <laughs> Scrum project management. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, I would try to find what is, what is the niche that you think it's going to fulfill. It can't just be like, or maybe it's going to be something as broad as like a monday.com. But if it is a very specific project management tool for a specific type of team, I would start with that and email those type of customers with the exact same type of email. Don't try to do, so there's like the, the product development process where you're doing the interviews and everything. Mm -hmm. I think that has some limited value. Okay. I would much rather pretend the company already exists, build a landing page, email it out and try to sell them like the company already exists. Okay. Um, putting all of the assumptions and everything into that landing page. Okay. versus doing a, a pie in the sky brainstorming session. So that's what I would do. I would, I would reach out to let's say a hundred people uh, with that kind of value proposition and just see who responds. Um, hopefully that, hopefully some people get on the phone. If not, things need to be tweaked from there and, and just kind of work on it from there. But um, how, how do you define that initial value proposition? Like in that case, you're starting from nothing. Well, you have, a product, but that's the only thing you have. So it's going to be, it's going to be some brainstorming. So for us, it was um, the team we're working with has a lot of experience when it comes to uh, Scrum uh, project management. Okay. So they built their Scrum project management tool, which I'll talk about in a second. I wouldn't start new products. I, I only want to do partnerships and, yeah, and yeah. acquisition uh, going forward. But they already had this. They had experience in Scrum. So now it's like, like what companies run Scrum? Let's reach out to them and see if they'll buy this. If not, you know, I'm fine with totally changing the product or 
or dipping on the whole concept. Dude, I'm down for, I'm, I'm down with leaving completely um, also. But that's, that's the main thing. You know, what niche is your project management software actually filling? What, what does it do? Like, why wouldn't they just pick monday.com? And I think that is what you need to, you need to be thinking about that all the time. Because if they would just pick monday.com, but you're getting to them first, if that's your entire business plan, the odds that that's going to work are very low because Monday has such a big budget yeah. or Asana or any of these other major ones. So you can't count on being the first to get in front of a customer when you're this late in the market. So you have to have something different, whether it's pricing or features or something else. One thing I saw recently, um, Zoom Info. So I, I mess around a lot with uh, the lead gen space and Zoom Info sells leads. They're a publicly traded company. They just hit and they replaced a company called Hoover's who was at top. But now uh, Zoom Info charges about 12,000 a year for their lead gen. And that was like okay. so good. But then this other company, Uplead comes along. Okay. They're charging $79 a month for the exact same lead gen. No contract, no year long contract, no anything. Same quality or? Same, same, if not better quality. So now as Zoom Info has replaced Hoover's, now Uplead, I would assume it's going to take over if they push it a little further. So if you can come up with that kind of innovation, I don't know what that is on project management, but that kind of innovation really grows. Otherwise, uh, fast follower with a little bit cheaper pricing. <laughs> okay, okay. Because okay. in that case, like, like you would need to figure out what that differentiated thing is and then use that as a way to approach these organizations. Right. Why is your project management system better? And it doesn't have to be better than Asana. It doesn't have to be better than Basecamp, but it should be better than those for one very specific user group. And hopefully that user group pays more than, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. That user group should be able to, to very much value it. Uh, the one we're working on is, is tied to these enterprise. It's not just Scrum project management, but it's like enterprise Scrum. Okay. So like, you know, let's say like American Express's project development team, like made for those kind of companies. Okay, but so this is great that you have that experience. So like why, well, you mentioned like it's, it's kind of late to the game. So why are you deciding to take that on then? I just know the founders <laughs> and they have okay. connections to the fortune, like strong connections to the fortune 500 clients. So that's why um, I think the client acquisition is going to be easier. The, their main issue is the product isn't aligned with the market. So like if they tried to sell it as is, like why wouldn't they just go out with their own product? Well, if they, if they tried to sell it as is, it wouldn't fit. It wouldn't sell. But I know if we tweak it a couple of times, get on a couple of meetings, we can knock this out and then it would scale like that. Okay. Okay. So, so if we go like a step back, so you have, that software that you built, you don't necessarily know like you have ideas of what might be differentiated, what might be valued by customers. Like how would you go about figuring out that first hundred people that you reach out to? Like first hundred businesses, I guess in that case? It would be the use case. So the reason why I think it's kind of valid is this agency that built it runs that scrum process. So they kind of built it for themselves and their clients. So I know already it's kind of validated. They're just having a really hard time saying why it's different. Um, but how I would find those first hundred clients is I would first focus on getting three or four really good clients or 20 good clients. And one thing that I really focus on is it's, I, I'm not a big fan of going after like the $20 a month, $30 a month thing. Um, the software is I want to sell software. I want to sell are more of like click funnels type of pricing, like 297 a month, 397 a month. Um, cause I, those are just the type of sales that I'm more comfortable with. So I'm not looking for a hundred clients. You only really need, let's say 15, 20 clients to to get it to the point where you can start really pushing it. Okay, okay. But so so you would, like what industry would you after? Like, would you go after a specific vertical or like a specific uh, horizontally, again, like different segments or? 
this one's this one that I'm working on in theory right now. I haven't tested it in the market. This might totally fail, but it's based on going after huge companies, like let's say over 300 million in revenue or 500 million in revenue that run Scrum project management. So there might, there might be 300 people, 300 companies total, but if they're all paying, you know, several hundred dollars a month, that's a good lifestyle business right there. So, so you're starting with that hypothesis that this group of people will buy based on the fact that they're running Scrum projects so specifically that, that aspect? And based on the fact they run Scrum, based on the fact they pay hundreds of thousands of dollars per developer and they might have 30 developers on a project. So I know they have money. I know they run Scrum. And these other guys I'm working with say that they can do Scrum more effectively. So if that is true, then yeah, why wouldn't you take your 30 developers and get a little bit more out of them? Okay, so you're, you're looking for signs that there is money to pay for the software, that the value that's differentiated will be perceived as valuable and that you can actually reach these people. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. Any other factors you typically consider in these uh, decisions? Uh, I mean, personally, I just want to, so I got two other factors. One, I need to be able to have fun doing it. It needs okay. to be able to be fully outsourceable. I don't want something where I'm on calls all the time selling it. So okay. getting it to the point where it's either selling itself or somebody else is selling it for us, is good. And then the third thing is, I mean, for me personally, I'd love to have something tied into my personal brand. So for instance, I'm seen as like the lead gen cold email guy. So anything, if I'm working on like a lead gen tool, it's going to be better or another agency. So like we just started Institute of Sales Training which is a sales training agency. And that's blowing up because Alex Berman is sales. Alex Berman is cold email. So that, that works there. Um, okay. Other businesses I'm looking for, uh, I, I really want a cold email sending tool, something like Mailshake. I feel like that would be cool. Um, and then another lead gen up lead. If I can get, if I can get a board position at up lead, that's what I'm, <laughs> I gotta try yeah. to claw and get that. <laughs> so you're kind of expanding on what your, your, your advantage, your, your competitive advantage is personally, but as well yeah. as the company and then using that. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. It's hitting what you have. So for you, I mean, you're lean B2B. So you starting a B2C company yeah. would, would be less helpful than you starting something. E-commerce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so in that case, like if you are doing that, like how do you know who to reach out to in organizations? Like if you're starting out, like there's many people in these organizations that you're going to be targeting. So, how do you know who to send the cold emails to? So typically I start top down. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll, I will literally start at the CEO level. Like we've reached out to CEOs of like Morgan Stanley, Nike, stuff like that. You're okay. And you're, I'm always surprised when they turn into meetings, not with the CEO, but with somebody multiple levels down. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll start there. And then if the CEO turns us down a couple of weeks later, uh, I'll wait and then I'll reach out to whatever the, the next level down is. So, Usually C-level would be CMO. Okay. And then under CMO on the marketing side would be specific teams. And each one of those has a director. And I would just wait a week or two between each of these outreaches okay. and just start at the top of the pyramid and work my way down until I get very specifically onto the team that I'm trying to sell to. So how do you know that you actually found the right, the right level or the right role, or the right person within the organization? Uh, because we're starting at the top. It's not okay. something you're, you're having to look for. It's something that should should show itself yeah. <laughs> yeah but so so okay that doesn't that like kind of create sometimes bad relationship with the organizations or i don't know 
<laughs> okay. I think, you know, I, I love organizations that, that like people that are trying to deliver value as, as is evidenced by the cold email, right? Like we're going in with a real honest compliment. We're going in with a case study and that we can deliver value. Okay. That's going to get to the right person. That person's either going to hire us or not. Okay. Okay. So even in that case, when you'd be starting out for Scrum uh, project management, you would try to find that, that first case study and use that as a, as a kind of like Trojan ors to get in the organization. Yeah, uh, it's always better if you can have one case study. And if the case study is as, as close to the target as possible. Um, okay. One thing we actually talk about in our, our business course, Email 10K, is how to borrow other people's case studies. So for instance, if I was trying to sell a project management tool and I know that I wanted Fortune 500 clients, I would try to get a partnership with another software that was in Sony or like in one of these other you know major major companies so that I could have that logo going in because it's okay. always hard to get that first client but it's actually fairly easy to borrow other people and give get their legit permission to use their clients okay. actually in the course I did a 45 it, it was a 45 second cold call <laughs> to get this dude's case studies it, it was like three or four sentences and then a little bit of emails back and forth a couple emails okay. back and forth okay so people are very game for it if you go in and and you say that you're going to deliver value to their business they'll they'll help you they'll, they will help you okay so you're kind of trying to find a partner that helps you uh, position your company as a partner of theirs with that larger organization. Yeah. The idea being you want to be able to use their case studies name when you go and do outreach. So for instance, the okay. partner is going to tell you, yes, you can use the Sony name. You can use our case study when you do outreach, then you go out with the Sony name. Now it's easier for you to get meetings. And then you talk about the partnership along with your software. Okay. 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 So you would never like approach a company and, and try to uh, start by testing, guessing what role would be the most likely to buy the, the technology that you're putting in place. Like you would not go like, I think it's going to be the IT department or it's going to be marketing departments. So I'll reach out to that department. You started at the top to be able to find the, the right uh, path. I, I started the CEO and then yeah, if the CEO turns it down, then it's either yeah, marketing or sales or IT. Okay. One of the, one of those, and okay. then yeah, going going from there. So you, but what I'm trying to ask like is, you never go directly for the department that you think might. You don't follow that assumption, okay? No, um, I really let these companies tell me tell me what to do. You know, you go okay. go for the top, see what happens. You'll be surprised. A lot of the times, the CEO has to respond, even at major major companies. Okay, okay, oh, that's great. Uh, so okay. So how would you compare different markets or different segment of portions? So say you're, you're doing this, you start, okay, I think this, these, these organizations are relevant, this market is relevant. How would you evaluate in that case if you're still building like that project management software? If the market's relevant? If, if that segment is better than another segment. So like how would you define which one is the better one? Sure. So how badly do they need this and how much money do they have to spend on it? It's the okay. thing. So for instance, like, you know, if, if manufacturing project management is horrible, but they have millions and millions of dollars in revenue, maybe yeah. that's the, maybe that's the place to go. Okay. Okay. So it's very similar to what we mentioned before earlier. Uh, what is it? Willingness to pay. Uh, so ability to pay and then, yeah, how bad the, the problem is for them. Okay. Okay. So it's always kind of going in that, that equation where like you're trying to find the greater need and the greatest ability to, to, to purchase. 
Yeah, I'm trying to boil it down to as, literally as simple as possible because a lot of people throw all this, all, all of these levels on top. But it's like if you have something yeah. people want and you talk to the people that want it and those people can afford it, you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you really need. Yeah. All right. So, okay. What would be the signs that you're, 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 uh, you're not added in the right direction? Like, what would be like, so for an entrepreneur, like, you have the experience of doing this with a lot of different products. So if you're not Alex Berman, you're someone else who is building software and industry, like how can they tell that they're not getting anywhere, that they're kind of spinning, going in circle? Okay, if you send, I'll say, I'll say 100, but really if you send 20 cold emails and you don't get back four responses that are like, we need this, this is amazing, then I would completely reroll, try again. Okay, that, that's little of numbers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you have something that's obviously the next best, the next best thing, the greatest thing ever, and it's communicated correctly, it should be very clear to your clients. But it could still be like many different things. So like you're, you're, you're yeah. in that case, like you're assuming that it's communicated correctly, right? Like there's, there's a lot of elements there that if, if I'm a technologist, I'm, I'm approaching a market, I might be like completely off the market in terms of like what's valuable, how you bring it to market, the value proposition. Do you have any, any, yeah. Yeah. So I start normally. So you send out, uh, I tell people to send out hundred cold emails. Okay. And what we look at first is the bounce rate. So how good are the leads versus how many leads are getting thrown back, you know, as, as not good leads. So that, that answers how easy is it to actually find these people? The second thing I look at is how many people opened the email. So I was just looking at a guy's emails today and he was sending them to manufacturers and it was a 20% open rate, even on the best subject line. So if they're not opening the emails, off the bat with like quick question or with like a three, four sentence or three, four word subject, I'm gonna tell them, you know, probably move on to a different market. Then if they're responding, but it's a lot of, we already have a vendor to do this, that is actually a really good sign because that means that they're buying in this market already. That's good. That means if you can sell better, you can actually get through. If they're responding with a lot of not interested, then I look at the body of the email. And I look at why are they not interested? And a lot of time I'll, I'll respond to those not interested and say, uh, would love your honest feedback. What do you think, what, what, what makes you not interested about this? And sometimes people will get back and get feedback there. Um, those, are the, those are the main things. Okay. You wanna basically figure out at a broad level, are you on the mark or are you off the mark? Does everyone think you're spamming and hate you? Or does everyone already buy from somebody who does this? Or is this the greatest thing of all time, right? Uh, best thing, worst thing, and then lukewarm response right there. Okay. So you're basically doing customer with customer development with uh, email. Yeah. Customer development with email and not, not the normal interview process. It literally yeah. is my customer development interviews are sales calls. And then if they buy at the end of the sales call, it's valid. And if they don't buy at the end of the sales call, something's wrong. Well, so you're kind of focusing on that pre-selling thing where you're kind of mm -hmm. pushing the product, whatever the product would be or is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. And in that case, like, how would you advise a new entrepreneur, maybe more of a tech profile, like to think about markets, niche prospects, like how should they think about these things when it's not their universe to start with? Sure. I would think about their background and what, what market they know the best, what industry, specifically what industry, because if you're in, let's say you're in banking, you're going to speak a different language than if you're in, you know, some, something else. So if you're in, you know, consumer packaged goods. So Think of that industry first, then think of who are you actually emailing within that industry? What titles are you the closest to? If you're tech, maybe email other tech people. 
and then your product would be in there. Um, if you can code, you're actually at a very uh, strong advantage because you can build whatever. You just need the idea. So I would go out not with the idea that, well, maybe with the idea that I want to build a project management software and I want to make it better, but not with the idea of this is the solution. This is the project management software that is going to change the world. Don't you have no it. data to go on that. Yeah. So I would go in very, very loose with maybe just, yeah, project management software, like three or four keywords of what you want to build. Go in very loose, come up with a hypothesis on this CTO at this type of company will buy this software. Email them like that software is the finished software, like you're ready to go. If they say no, be ready to move on. If they say yes, be ready to build it. Well, so, so in that case, if I have that first version of the product management software in place, how do I know when I need to adapt it? Like when I re am reaching out to different organizations, like I can code, I can add whatever, but how do I know when I'm supposed to actually be taking those uh, feedback to art? Like when I'm supposed to be changing it, changing the actual product. Okay. So if you hear the same thing multiple times from the same people, then it's time, then it's time to change it. Uh, the best feedback that I, that I like is um, we're not interested at this time. Um, cause then you can come back later or we're already working with another vendor and then you can yeah. get feedback based on those. Um, that's, that's basically it. If you get, if you're getting the same sort of feedback over and over again at, at any point in time, then it's time to, it's time to listen. Okay. Okay. So which kind of points you to the gaps in the product that you have in place? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the gaps might be huge. The, the gaps might be smaller. They might be huge. Sometimes all that it takes is a different title. All, all that it takes is calling your software a different thing and then it, it resonates hard. You know, most of the time it's not a full restructuring that's needed or it might be grabbing one little feature and then hitting that feature as hard as possible. Awesome. Like with, our, with our Shopify apps, one of the apps is just Facebook Messenger integration in one click. Like, okay. not, like everyone else is doing all these crazy chat apps and we're over here charging $15 a month because people don't understand how to install Facebook Messenger on their Shopify store. Like you don't need a million things in your software. Yeah. Well, so in that case, like how much of customer development do you feel is positioning? In that one? So if oh, you're general, selling, yeah, yeah. okay. So if it, it totally depends on how you're selling it. For the Shopify apps, we're selling in a marketplace. So you go in on Shopify, you buy your Shopify store, then you go to the marketplace and you search something like Facebook chat. So <laughs> the app that comes up first or second is typically the app you're going to buy. So that's a total SEO play. Uh, with something like Experiment 27, where we're selling lead generation, that is a market that we're tackling via cold email. So in that in that case, I mean, it all comes down to, it's not really branding as much as it is about just pure value delivery. Like, hey, what would it mean for you to get another 40 leads this month? How much is that worth to you? You know, whatever, $500,000, all right. Is it worth 50,000 for us to do this for you? Yes or no? Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, so maybe last question. You kind of into that, Dad. Like, so uh, more as a general question. So yeah. how has your perspective on starting businesses uh, evolved over the years? And how do you see B2B entrepreneurship evolving moving forward? Sure. The, um, I think starting a business is so hard, <laughs> unbelievably hard, like to the point where it might take three or four years to really figure it out. Like the lean model, I think is very interesting and it works because I did it, right? But it took me what? three years to figure it out, maybe a little less, maybe two and a half years to, to really get it to a point where it was like scalable. So what I would rather do and what I recommend anyone doing is uh, reach out to some of these entrepreneurs that already have the valid business, but don't want to grow it. 
especially if you're coming from any sort of corporate world where you, you know, let's say you have 30, 40 grand in cash. And there's a lot of people that like high paid engineers that are coming from Google that are just quitting their jobs to start these little apps when 30 grand would buy you a business that's already making, you know, even three, $4,000 a month, five, $6,000 a month. So I would do that. Um, identify the type of business you want to start, make a list of those founders, reach out to those founders, talk to them and try to make some offers and, and buy a business. Skip the first three years of entrepreneurship, if at all possible. Because that introduced too much risk or that that is not the most efficient way to get into, get to the outcome that you're looking for. It's not the most efficient way to start a business, especially, okay, you're trying to start a project management tool. There's a million out there. I'm sure of the million project management tools that already exist, there's one with 300 customers and the founders burned out. Just get, get, join that one, you know, like grab that one. That's yours now, you know, go buy that All right. one. <laughs> All right. There's no reason to like, you know, try to start from scratch here, especially in an, in an industry that's been around for four or five years, unless you have something totally innovative. But even if you do, let's say you buy a project management tool, you can innovate based on whatever that tool is. Obviously that tool already has something special if they have three, 400 customers, a thousand customers, whatever it is. And there's, there's a ton of people that start businesses. Like let's say they list them on product hunt, then they get a bunch of customers. And a lot of them didn't want to start businesses or they don't want to deal with the customer uh, headache of like having people talk to them all the time. Like there's a ton of demand for unloading these businesses. A ton of entrepreneurs want escape. So if you go in there, you have a little bit of cash, right? From working your corporate job, you have such an advantage over all these bootstrapped entrepreneurs that are, that are starting from nothing. Yeah. As a way to transition faster into something that actually works. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, super interesting. Uh, so thanks for taking the time. So, so where can people go to learn more about uh, your work, what you do, what you're working on? Sure. If you want a course on how to start a business, I would check out email10k.com. And if you want free tutorials on entrepreneurship and some behind the scenes stuff, I would go over to alexberman.com. That's our YouTube channel. And you can check out all our free content over there. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right.